Thank you for joining okay. me, Pamela. My name is Tyler Cutterback. This is episode five of How Do I Get That Job podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I love your logo, by the way. I feel a little too dressed oh, up you. now. <laughs> uh, if you could just be so kind as to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, who you work with, and uh, where you're located in the world. Absolutely. Well, uh, my name is Pamela Shand. Uh, I am a career coach, a certified resume writer. I've been in HR for many, many years now, and I am the founder of Offer Stage Consulting, and we're based here in northern New Jersey, but we serve clients all over. It's amazing what the uh, digital age can do. Right now, we're not in the same room, but we're going to have a really cool conversation. So actually, I think that's a good place to start off. So before we get into like your story and everything, can you just tell a little bit more about the services that you guys provide and how you provide them? Absolutely. I will tell you that we started off with really just focusing on resume writing, coming from an HR recruitment background. You know, that is what you do. You look at resumes all day and you really get the strong idea of what managers want and what a job seeker needs to do in order to be successful. So I started off with resumes and then really expanded into the full suite of services. So interview coaching, career growth, uh, focusing a lot on career changers how to make the most out of your transferable skills. Um, also working with a lot of college students and new grads, helping them to really kick down those doors and make their own way in today's job market, how to be competitive, how to earn respect, and how to really get to where they want to be. Not necessarily where their friends are or where even their parents may mm -hmm. want them to be, but to find their career path yeah. and to find their unique kind of career satisfaction. So that's <laughs> in a very you know long-winded answer. That's what I do. That's awesome. So I, I want to hear your story, but every time you talk, I'm pulling out things like, oh, that's something that I want to talk about. Oh, um, go ahead. Let's so talk. Transferable skills, you know, somebody coming yeah. from a liberal arts background, you know, a lot of what you hear from small private liberal arts schools or even really any colleges, you know, they're not teaching you that specific major. They're not teaching you how to be the best in your field. They're teaching you transferable skills that you can use across the board in any field that you, you decide is best for you. Mm -hmm. What are transferable skills? That is an amazing question. I'm so happy you asked me that. A transferable skill is exactly what it sounds like. It is a skill that transfers from one discipline to the next. So for example, if you spent many, many years in accounting, you may, and you suddenly have a passion for teaching, you may want to be a math teacher. Lots of transferable skills there. Mm -hmm. If you spent many, many years in the kitchen and then transitioned into a career where she's now recruiting chefs. I mean, um, a transferable skill is simply a skill that takes you from one field to the next. And if you're able to make the most out of that, you can really change careers more than once over the course of your life. And you're able to do so without always starting from scratch because you can sell um, an interviewer on the fact that, hey, you're not at the entry level as one might assume, but you've got some great skills, um, technical and soft skills that could put you ahead of the pack. 
okay, I want to come back to technical and soft skills, but I do want to hear your story. So let's right. let's jump into that. So you are from where? Uh, in terms of where were you born and raised? Uh, I know during our conversation, ah. a little bit about your family story. So I don't know how much yeah. you want to go into that, but you know, tell me where you got started, where you're, where you went, and now where you're going. Oh, that's that's an awesome question. Um, I will tell you uh, one thing. I'm very proud to say is that I am the daughter of immigrant parents. You know, um, my parents are Latin American, Latin, Latin, sorry and Caribbean, and I'm American, and I was born and raised here, um, educated here. And um, growing up, there was there's a lot of things that I pulled from my heritage um, that was really a benefit to me. And I know there are a lot of other young people that are, you know, maybe their first generation um, college graduate, you know, their first generation even to be in this country. And I want them to know that there's a lot of awesome things that come from just having the, that diverse background that can certainly be a huge plus to you going forward. So for me, um, I was born and raised here in New Jersey, educated in New Jersey and in New York. So I am an East Coast girl. Okay. Um, I went to King University, which is a well-known um, school here in New Jersey. And after that, I will tell you that after graduating, like so many young people at 22, um, I essentially had to move by faith. You know, I did, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And then when I graduated, I realized I'm not so sure that's what I want to do anymore. Yeah. And so a huge part of my path was a combination of faith, you know, not seeing the future, but still being willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take this step. And I followed a rather non-traditional path. I didn't go right into, you know, this full-time nine-to-five setup. I went into, I accepted a few summer positions, contractor roles, which were great because they happened to be aligned with some Fortune 500 names. And one thing that I, that for me worked was, even though it's not the traditional position, I know that it's an opportunity. And so in addition to just being okay with not seeing the stairs, but taking the step anyway, mm -hmm. um, I would also encourage someone who's fresh out of school to not be so focused on things that are cookie cutter, but focus on the opportunity that's wrapped in something that's not traditional. For me, the opportunity in these things was I was able to, at a pretty young age, get some pretty big brands on my resume and really build my skill set early in my career with, with globally recognized names and be able to, from then, establish my career path. And what was a really good bonus for me was that I was able to take what I was learning and not just use it at work. I was able to take what I was learning and use it to help my friends who are graduating after me. You That's know, awesome. I had friends who said, I started interviewing and I have no idea, you know, what I'm doing. No one's calling me back. I'm sending my resume out and no one is inviting me for an interview. What do I do? Or saying, I got a phone call from an agency. What does that mean? And to, for me, being in that position, I was able to comfortably answer those questions and then see my friends do great in their job search. And that is what led me to eventually a few years later get to a place where I said, you know what? This is something that I could really do on a much larger scale. And 
None of this was anything that I saw happening. This was really a result of me just taking one step and having that step lead to another step and lead to another step. Sometimes you have to just bloom where you're planted. You know, that's another thing that I share with folks all the time. You know, (laughs) don't be in such a rush to chase after any particular thing. There is something valuable in being right where you are. And there's something great that can come from being grateful for being where you are and being open to the experiences and the opportunities that may come from your present situation. Because you never know what you get from that situation might just propel you into the perfect thing that you never saw coming. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That, that kind of just hit me a little bit. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So we talked about King's university, which I want to make sure is different from King's college, which is in New York. Right. Yes. Um, Keene University is based right here in northern New Jersey. It's in Union. Um, I went there for undergrad. And then a few years later, I attended uh, NYIT, which is the New York Institute of Technology for grad school. I did not go directly into grad school like so many of my friends. Um, Another good point to many new grads, you you know, don't think that you have to follow the path your friends followed. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of friends that went from undergrad to grad school And by 25, they had two degrees. And even though that was my plan, it wasn't what worked out for me. And I am telling you, I'm so glad it didn't work out for me that way. Because had I went directly into grad school, I probably would have majored in something completely different. So many young people years later going back to get a degree in what you really want. So again, being just being open to the opportunities, walking by faith, not being married to the plan, and just allowing life to kind of show you what it's got for you is what allowed me to finally decide to go to NYIT and get a great education and make friends that I have years later. Wow. So CPRW, what does that stand for? I noticed those letters at the yes. end of your name. I've never seen them before. Yes, uh, that is industry specific. CPRW stands for a Certified Professional Resume Writer. So how do you get certified in that? Ah, well, a uh, number of things. There are two major certifications in this industry. This is one of them. For those of us who are members of a networking organization, which is one of the most uh, recognized ones in this field, it's the Association for Professional Resume Writers and Career Coaches. And uh, through that membership, you're able to go through the process of being certified. Um, it is a two-step process, has several modules. It's a lot that goes into it. Okay. Um, very, very excited when I passed. <laughs> you know, after um, years in recruitment in HR, after, you know, a few years of helping my friends, and even after launching the Offer Stage brand, you know, this is something that was really important to me because I find that whenever you are starting out on your own, it's important to be marketable. Um, And even if you're not launching your own business, something that is important is having a personal brand, you know, learning how to be marketable in your own individual field. And this is something that for me meant a lot. It was a personal and professional accomplishment. Um, And I was so, so excited to have it. So that's what it stands for. It, It lets someone know that I am backed by a major uh, organization uh, specifically for career guidance and for resume writing and interview coaching. It lets someone know that I have gone through the professional steps to be certified and to have this 
this lovely piece of paper. That's awesome. So one of the things I always like to cover in in these podcasts or even with just students one-on-one is, you know, there's more than one kind of education and certifications is exactly that. Uh, But you also have mentorships and relationships. And, you know, like you said, having a diverse background and being a a child of immigrants, that all adds into your experience, your your life experience almost sometimes. And, And please, you're the career coach, so tell me if I'm wrong here, but that can almost be no, more important to you than that sheet of paper that says bachelor's art on it. Absolutely. So do you have any mentors that you work with? Are you considered more of a mentor yourself now? You know, what are some of the other ways that you've developed your skills over the you know last few years? Mentorship is so important to me. I will tell you, you know, I grew up with um, parents who taught me it's not just what you know, but who you know. Um, And for me, even though, yes, I do mentor others, I adopt mentors everywhere I go. You know, I have had mentors at almost every position I've had, sometimes more than one. Um, I have had mentors at school, you know, and I would definitely advise anyone regardless. And here's the thing. A mentor is not just for when you're starting out. A mentor is something that you have and you may adopt different mentors over the course of your career. You know, you may adopt them over the course of your time in school. A mentor is someone that simply helps you. You know, they help to make things a little easier. You know, um, there are a lot of things that I learned from my mentors that I will tell you, I did not learn in a classroom. A lot of what I know and a lot of uh, the ways in which I learned how to do what I do, mentors. I learned from people who were much more experienced, you know, who had been doing the job as long as I've been alive, <laughs> who were able to share, you know, the wisdom and the insight with me. And in some cases, share some tough love yeah. that really helped me to sharpen my skills, uh, communicate with confidence, and really not be afraid of certain challenges. You know, so I'm very grateful for mentors. And if there's someone who's going to see this who doesn't have one, I would advise you to get one or two or three right away. A mentor is someone that you can trust, someone that you can confide in, um, someone that you can just have a genuine relationship with. Yeah. Is there anybody that you want to give a specific shout out to or or maybe for people that are just starting out? You know, the audience of this podcast are people that are in school or just out of school. So, you know, middle school, high school, college, recent grad, they may not, you know, they may think of like, oh, my science teacher in ninth grade, they were kind of a mentor to me. They, they were really nice and they took me under their wing. And, and sometimes mentorships just fall into your lap that way. But are there any tricks to finding one? I think it's important to look for someone that you have a chemistry with. You may have someone around you who may, who to you seems to have the right level of experience, right education, right background, but they're not someone that you're able to talk to. You just yeah. don't have that chemistry with that person. That happens. Yeah. That happens all the time. And so I would recommend that you look for someone that you just enjoy talking to, because this is going to be someone that you have a lot of conversations with. And if you're struggling just to say hello to that person, they may not be yeah. the kind of mentor you're looking for, especially for your first mentor. 
um, I would say look for someone that you, you know, have that chemistry with. And then in addition to that, after having that chemistry, knowing that that's someone you can go to, look for someone who is going to be honest with you. You don't want someone as a mentor who's so focused on being your friend and they just want to be nice that they're not telling you when you're messing up. You want someone who's going to be frank with you, going to sit you down and say, hey, Pam, that was the wrong move. Hey, you you, you have to do that differently. I don't want to see that again. You know, you need someone who's going to be honest with you. Um, It's not their job to make you feel warm and fuzzy all the time. It's their job to help you grow. For sure. So if you have chemistry with someone and you've got someone who cares enough to be honest with you and they're genuinely, genuinely invested in your development, you know, they're not going to, you know, kind of set you up to knock you down. They're genuinely invested in seeing you grow. Um, They're not going to be upset if maybe you grow a little ahead of them one day, you know, they kind of want to see you surpass them one day, (laughs) you know, they love to see you take their spot. One of the greatest mentors I've ever had, um, a former manager of mine, she said, I would love it if you had my job one day. As a matter of fact, I want to see you cover for me when I'm not here. Mm -hmm. That's what you want in a mentor. So if you've got all of those things in someone, and then also they happen to have the kind of background where they have the experience to help you grow, awesome. Great. But before looking at that technical stuff, go for chemistry, go for integrity, go for someone who um, is secure. And and I actually had a very similar boss who said the same thing. She's like, I want you to have my job. You know why? Because mm-hmm. you know, when you hear people say, oh, yeah, I want to train you to have my job, that doesn't always sound right. That kind of sounds wrong. <laughs> and she, so I kind of looked at her sideways when she said that to me. And she goes, because if you have my job, that means I did something right enough to be able to have my boss's job. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you're a leader, you know, you're a true leader. Your job is to set someone up, to take your place. Yeah. You know, it's not to keep your, your staff down. It's to help them to rise. And that's what you're looking for in a mentor. So I want to go back to something that we talked about earlier. Uh, well, that you brought yeah. up. We didn't really talk about it. Uh, so technical skills versus soft skills. Yeah. Can you elaborate on what the differences are and maybe a few examples of each? Absolutely. Uh, technical skill is one that uh, may be specifically required to do a job. A soft skill is one that is sort of, uh, it's a natural ability. It's a natural skill. It's a part of your attitude. A good attitude is actually a good soft skill. Um, it's something that in the recruitment world, we say can't be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a technical skill is something you can get from a classroom. So for example, you can go into a classroom, uh, you can take a course, and you can learn how to use Microsoft Excel. Yep. You can learn how to use PowerPoint. Um, you can learn how to use other systems that may be necessary to do the job. You can learn the ins and outs of managing a project and get that certification. That's fantastic. The soft skills are things like a strong work ethic. You can go through class after class. I can't teach you how to, you know, not be lazy and how to work hard and not stare at the clock all day from nine to five. I I can't teach you how to stop coming in at 930 and leaving at 430. You know, you have a nine to five schedule. A good attitude is probably the greatest soft skill ever. You know, to be someone who no matter what kind of day you've had, no matter what your boss said to you, no matter what kind of crazy emails came your way. At the end of the day, you're still feeling positively about the position and you're still ready to come in the next day 
and knock it out of the park. You know, um, someone who is um, someone who takes criticism well. That's a really strong soft skill that I'm hearing more and more from managers because when you're in this age where everyone, um, where they're looking to hire someone who is a new grad who may not have a decade or more of experience, but they've got potential, they want someone they can can can, can groom. Yeah, you know, they want to see someone who's willing to learn. So if you're willing to learn, it's another great soft skill, and you are someone who takes criticism well. You know, you're not going to get discouraged, but you're going to take that tough love and you're going to say, okay, how can I take this and make whatever I did better? Those are all some great soft skills that are in demand. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, coming from the, the hiring world, if you have a lot of those soft skills, things that can't be taught, a manager is willing to teach you the technical stuff. They can teach you how to, how to run a project and they can teach you how to use certain systems. Um, but they're not willing to try to teach you how to have a good attitude. So you bring the positive attitude and you bring that can-do spirit, they're willing to teach you the rest. You'll go very far with how, having those soft skills. It actually makes me think of a prior podcast. Uh, one of my guests said they were a, or they are a genealogy and research librarian for the Center of Jewish History in Manhattan. Wow. And they, you know, they have the master's in, masters of science and library sciences uh, that gives them the legitimacy for the position. But when you're applying for a job in Manhattan, as I'm sure you know, you're applying against mm -hmm. 1,000, 10,000 other people for a position. Absolutely. The thing that gave him the edge wasn't his degree. It was the fact that he had customer service skills. So he mm -hmm. wasn't just the library information robot person. He was actually a charismatic person that could give right. a good level of customer service to somebody walking into the center. Absolutely. Yeah. Now more than ever, things like, you know, soft skills and cultural fit, they're really taking the lead as to what's in demand. Speaking of what's in demand, I have heard this since mm -hmm. I started writing resumes back in 06. Right. One page resume. <laughs> <laughs> Or your entire CV? <laughs> well, um, the short answer is it depends. Okay. Um, there is no one hard and fast, you know, answer. A CV is great to have just for your own records. You know, it's good to be able to see all of your skills and experiences in one place. However, when you're applying to a particular job, you want to have that targeted resume. Um, a resume gets less than 10 seconds of attention. I think you and I both know this. Mm -hmm. I think the magic number is six. And so you don't want a manager. Put your, I always tell uh, job seekers, you know, new grads, career changers, put yourself in the manager's shoes. If you are getting, you know, a thousand, and if you if it's a large company, they're easily getting thousands of, of hits for one job. And they've got hundreds of thousands of jobs posted. If you, you're getting all these resumes, you want to make it as easy as possible for them to see their qualified person in your resume. So if you have less than 10 years of experience and you can fit it onto one page, try to do that. Less than 10 years, you should be able to get that download to one page. Absolutely. Um, if you've got more than you know, 10, 15 years of experience, that's gonna be a little harder, right? You got a lot more going on. So there's a justifiable reason to go into two pages. So the short answer is it depends. Okay. It really, really just depends. But um, 
for anyone watching this, keep in mind that the resumes get very little attention. Unfortunately, I know it's not the thing you want to hear, but it's reality. It's the truth. And um, you want to make sure that it's as easy as possible for them to look at your resume right away and see the kind of person they want to interview. I have so many resume stories. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure we could trade stories all afternoon. <laughs> Two things that came to mind, and I'm not going to say any names because uh, uh, what happened is actually against the policy of one of the professional organizations that we both belong to. Uh, not you and I, but mm -hmm. me and the person that I'm, I'm speaking of. So I'm, names will be left out. But I had applied. Okay. It was fresh out of school. I'm originally from New York. I applied for a position in Pennsylvania. Um and I met the guy at a conference uh, maybe a month later before they had even made any decisions about who to bring in for interviews. Spoke to him, handed him my resume, and he goes, oh, I already saw this. I threw it out. Why? Oh, well, you live in New York and you apply for a position in Pennsylvania. So why would I hire you? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, that happens. And this is why... There are so many, and even with, I will tell you my own clients, I don't, I don't include address mm -hmm. on resumes. It's kind of like a best practice that I've developed recently. And I had a client ask me and said, why is it my address on, on my resume? I, and I explained to her very nicely, um, almost the way you did that. Unfortunately, that can open the door in this day and age for a level of discrimination. Yeah. And the last thing we want is for you to be discriminated against because of where you live. You really want someone to focus on your skill sets and all the value you bring to the table. And then if you're open to the commute and you as a candidate are okay with it, there should be no issue after that. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't um, apply for the you know, job if you didn't want I, to move there anyway, right? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You and I are, are on the same page there. But like you said, there are some managers who don't see it that way. And so the last thing you want to do is open the door for that before someone has the opportunity to see how amazing you are as, as a candidate. Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought of was the difference between landing the interview with your resume mm -hmm. and then landing the job because of your interview. I, yeah. I had applied for a position. Again, names are omitted to protect the innocent. Protect uh, the innocent, that's right. But... I had applied for a position. I ended up getting the position, but I didn't get the position because of my resume. I got the interview because of my resume. The reason I got the job was because at the very bottom of my resume, I put community involvement. And it had said founder for the love of beer, which was a organization I had created prior to even moving remotely close to where I was now. But when I was in the interview, the last question I got was, what's your favorite kind of beer? <laughs> that, that happens. That's very realistic. And I will tell you that everything you just said is exactly why I named my company Offer Stage Consulting. Coming from the world of recruitment, you know, you've got different stages. You've got the applicant stage, the candidate stage, where you're there for the longest. You're candidate all the way through once you, you know, invite you for an interview. And then once you have successfully completed all of your interviews and we know you're the person we want, where do you land? The offer stage, right? So that, <laughs> that's where this came from. I, and I think it's very important that job seekers understand it's not your resume's job to get you the job. Yeah. Your resume gets you the interview, you get you the job. 
And um, I, I think it's it's very interesting that you mentioned at the end of your interview, the interviewer asked you um, a rather personal question. And I think that's something that is important when you're interviewing. It's, it's not just about answering those direct job-related questions. It's also your opportunity to start to build a relationship, see if there's a chemistry there, see if, if you can really work there and work with that individual every single day. You know, I'll tell you, there was, um, I'll share a story with you. There was a job that I had, the VP who I was meeting with, he was a football fan. Okay. And he loved a very particular team. I, I won't say the team's name because they're not doing so well right now, but I would. <laughs> He loved a very particular team. Okay. And after my final interview with him, I sent him a lovely thank you email. And in the bottom of the email, and what happened was before I sent the email, I happened to watch the team play and the team lost. Okay. So at the bottom of my thank you email, it's a PS, so sorry, their team lost. Hopefully we can connect again, you know? And um, I remember, yeah, my husband jokingly said, you're never going to get that job. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's all about, it's not just about answering the questions. It's also about connecting with them on a human level, you know, and finding something that the two of you can just chat about, you know, so that that's really important. So we're coming up on the 30 minute mark here. So I, I want to ask, I want to respect your time. I want to make sure that I'm respecting the audience's time. Uh, sure. So I have one last question I want to ask you and I ask it of everybody that I have on the show. What is some last minute wisdom you'd like to pass on, whether it's a piece of advice that you wish somebody had given to you when you were first starting out, or maybe it's a pitfall that you want to avoid or whatever. If you're trying to get into HR, if you're trying to get into resume writing, career coaching, any of the above, what would you pass on to the next generation? Wow, that is a really important question. It's a really big question. And I I can only choose one. (laughs) It's up to you. It's your time. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There there are a number of things that are really important when getting into this field in particular. Um, And I am just thinking about my own path and what I learned. Uh, Number one, I would say, is to brand yourself properly. Um, and, And I think, you know, oftentimes we think of branding, especially in this day and age, We think of branding as, well, I've got an Instagram page, so I've got a brand. I've got a LinkedIn page, I've got a brand. Okay. Not so. You know, to properly brand it, to get to think, do people know that I can do this? Do people trust me to do this? If I had a friend right now that had an interview coming up, would they call me or would they call someone else? And so you want to, and that that was probably the first thing that I did without even thinking about it, was that I was at a place where I was the go-to person. You know, if I had a friend that was in their senior year, they called me. If I had a friend of a friend, if they had a friend who was getting ready to, you know, you know, interview, they would say, have you called Pam? Did you call Pam? And they, I had friends who would say, I'm pretty sure my resume is okay. I just want Pam to look at it really quickly. Yeah. What you want. You want people who look to you and say, you know what, before I do this, let me just make sure that that so-and-so goes over it because I trust them and I know they're good at what they do. You know, so if there's anything I would leave with the next generation is that have a personal brand and don't just rely on social media to do it. You know, get out there, really engage with people and create that human connection 
you know, it's so much bigger than what we all think it is. So that's really important. Um, I would also say to look at non-traditional or unexpected um, forms of education, talking about mentorship, that's really important. Have um, a circle of mentors that you trust, people that you can go to, you know, and really um, get some great insight from. You know, uh, if you are not able to complete a formal degree, don't sweat it. Get a certification. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat, to use an old phrase. Yep. There's definitely more than one way to accomplish what you want to. You know, um, and I would also recommend that if you're going to start off in HR, be open to just building your experience. Don't look for the large paycheck right away because you may not see it. Just be open to experience. You know, the large paycheck will come, you know, everything else that you are expecting out of your career, that stuff will come. Believe me, it'll come. Trust it. Have faith in that. But really build your experience because HR, one thing that I learned um, being in, in this business, HR is an experience based kind of field. You know, you can read every book in the world. You can have degrees stacked from the floor to the ceiling. There is no replacement for having that everyday experience in human, your, it's human resources. First word, human, we are not predictable. <laughs> you cannot figure out human by having a degree. Yep. You cannot anticipate what another human being in your company is going to come to you and with. Yeah. You cannot predict what sort of employee conflict is going to happen. You cannot predict how employment laws are going to change. So you have to just be open to the experiences. So I, I think if you take all of that, and, and there's a piece of advice that I got from someone um, a couple of years ago working in New York, they said, you know, work like you know you're not going to be fired, which it sounds a little odd when you first hear it, but um, once it's explained, it made so much sense to me. It meant to work without fear. Yeah. You know, don't worry about corporate politics. Don't worry about, don't worry so much about those things. Don't worry so much about being afraid of anything that you are not trusting your gut, that you're not using your, your best judgment, yeah. that you're not willing to stand for your own values. You know, um, don't worry about that. Yeah. Have confidence. I, I, sorry. I just, it's making me think of an experience in my own life. I literally first job out of college. All right. First professional job in admissions. I go to my supervisor, I had the New York territory because I'm from New York, uh, but I'm from upstate. I, I'm used to the rural areas. I'm used to, hey, instead of let's go to New York City, let's go to Albany or, you know, let, you know, right. Buffalo is the place to be. Yeah. We had not gone to Buffalo in 10 years. But I knew that if I went to Buffalo and I targeted the high schools that I knew, we could get some students from the Buffalo area. Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the return that my manager was expecting. And I fought tooth and nail to go. We ended up getting tenfold what we had from Buffalo that year. Wow. It, it's wow. trust your gut. It, it, yeah. Sometimes you can, sometimes it can lead you astray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was your decision. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, anything that you want to plug before we go? Oh, absolutely. I, I certainly want to um, invite anyone to visit the website. It's theofferstage.com. 
um, pretty simple. Also available on all major social media platforms, uh, facebook.com backslash offer stage, instagram.com uh, backslash offer stage as well. And also on LinkedIn, please feel free to follow the company page, offer stage consulting, LLC, uh, and lots of great uh, projects and things coming up. They will all be advertised on my social media. So uh, follow me and keep an eye out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for being with us today. It's been awesome. Thank you for I, I can talk to you for hours. Time. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a good one. Oh, you're welcome. Listen, have a great day. Bye. Bye.